Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi, you're listening to Fashion Unzipped. I'm your host, Charlie Gowns Eglinton, Senior Fashion Editor at The Telegraph. But before I was Senior Fashion Editor, or any kind of editor, I didn't really know what they did. I had a vague sort of idea about lavish gifts and first-class travel and probably loads of champagne and really nice clothes, but that was about it. In this new mini-series, I'm going to be speaking to women working in fashion and finding out what their day in the life looks like. I'm starting right at the top with Stella Magazine's new editor, Caroline Barrett. Caroline, welcome. Hi, Charlie. Caroline, let's let's begin at the beginning. Um, how would you describe your job to someone who knows nothing about it? I guess it's like being the conductor of an orchestra. You're at the head of a publication where... Every decision basically lands in your lap, um, but it's collaborative as well. So um, to put it in a really simplistic form, at the moment, the issues that we're editing have about 50 pages. And it's my job to think about all the content and how we want the publication to be. So, for example, we will have a cover star, we will have a fashion section, and I will work alongside the fashion team to come up with that content. We have a beauty section, and I'll work with the beauty editor. There will be features in there that the features team will look after, and an entertainment team with interviews. And it's sort of looking at all of these areas and piecing them together every week to produce a publication. Um, It sounds simple, but it isn't. And actually, it's really, really hard to describe. I'm thinking it's kind of like you're a head chef because different... um parts of the kitchen will be like in charge of like the meat yes. or like the vegetables. Yes. But then if someone sends their plate back, it's your fault. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you didn't actually cook that piece of meat because you sent it out of the kitchen. It is. Yeah, it is. And you always have to have your eye on everything at all times. It is exactly that. Um, but then there's another part of the job that involves you being out of the office and meeting people, meeting publicists, meeting writers. Um so that you're constantly evolving the product as well. So it's sort of like a, a, a double job in a way that you've got a desk job and then you've got an outside the office job as well. But it's quite interesting. This is my first week editing at Stella um, and it's exactly 23 years ago 
this week that I started my journalism career at a local paper in York. And like you, I didn't really know what an editor did. I just knew I wanted to write. And back then it was very different because there wasn't the social platforms that we have now, the social media platforms that we have now. So if you wanted to write, you really did just write for a publication. And if you were from Yorkshire like me, there were not very many publications. So For me, starting out, it was just a case of having a passion to write. And then over the years, I've developed different skill sets that obviously have led me to this editorship. But it's been a long journey and lots of different publications and lots of amazing things that I've done. Yeah. So that first job in York, how did you get that? Um, There was an advert in the paper looking for a junior reporter. I mean, I don't even know if they advertise these jobs anymore because there's a lot of like university schemes. But um, it was in the local paper. They were looking for a junior reporter and whoever got the job were then sponsored by the newspaper to go to journalism college. And then they were guaranteed a job on the paper. So I think there were 600 people who applied for the job and we had an away day. Um, where we had to go into the office. Um, We had a talk by the editor. Then we got to watch the print run because it was a daily paper and there were three different editions. And it was printed in the office, um, just at the back of the newsroom. What, like on a giant? Yeah, it was huge and it was magical because they pressed a button. It sounds so simple, they pressed a button and the print run just ran. And then in the afternoon, we had to go out and find three exclusive stories write them up in about 250 words each, submit them and then go home. And I got three stories. Um, It just happened that I knew quite a few people in York and in the area and a couple of big stories had happened and I managed to get a couple of lines that were good. I can't even remember what they were now, but they were big at the time. Big at the time. And then, um, yeah, I got the call a week later to say I'd got to stage two and that was a writing test. And then a week later, I got to stage three, and that was meeting the editor, and I got the job. So I was a junior reporter 23 years ago. And I worked for six months, um, just basically on the newsroom, doing very small jobs. I remember a nib in a newspaper, just looking at it for ages when I got my first piece of writing in. I think it was 50 words, and it was tiny, and I just couldn't believe that I had this something in a newspaper. Um And then after six months, they sponsored me to go to journalism college. So um, I went on the Westminster training scheme, which a lot of the newspapers were a part of. It was a big group. And I went there for 15 weeks um, and then shorthand, news reporting, council reporting, law reporting, everything. And came back and had worked on the paper. Yeah. And how did you get from that point A to this to London. Massive point yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I stayed on the paper for two years. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant experience, but I knew I wanted to come to London and I knew that all the great jobs would be in London. Um, so I shifted, basically. I worked on the celebrity desk at Teletext. People don't know Teletext. It was everyone booked their holidays on Teletext, but also they had a great editorial team and they had a lot of I guess it's like Instagram of its day in a way that you just clicked on the telly. There He's... wasn't that much else to watch, though, because there weren't very many channels. So you no. just found yourself watching telly. Watch telly and reading <laughs> interviews and 
every celebrity gave an interview to Teletext because it wasn't really challenging. And they were, and I got my contacts book was literally just full because I got in a very short period of time, I met so many people. And I was on the features entertainment desk. And the difference between the features entertainment desk and the news was that a news was one paragraph and a feature was three paragraphs, which sounds bonkers. So I went and shifted at Teletext for about a year and built up my contacts. And from there, I then went and shifted on the, at the Mirror Group and literally just worked all the hours. I mean, 14, 15, 16 hours a day. You, it was set up so that you, they offered so many shifts and you had to just prove yourself. It was around the time that Big Brother was sort of launching, I remember. And so I did a lot of Big Brother stories. Um, I did always news. I covered the war in Iraq. I did court cases, everything. But it was wonderful experience. I met, br- met brilliant people. Um, and I think I shifted for six months. And at the end, I got offered a staff job, which is basically brilliant for me because it was just a little bit more reassurance and just I had a, a job, a title. I was a features writer. And then from there, um, I went to Closer Magazine and was the news editor. And that was brilliant experience as well. I guess that was my first experience of magazines. And yeah, they were very different to newspapers because a newspaper is very quick, very fast, magazines slightly slower and maybe a little bit more glamorous. From Closer Magazine, I then had a sort of a little bit of a career change. I was the publicist for the Osborne family, Elton John, Gordon Ramsay, and I did that for two years, and that was pretty amazing. <laughs> and that was quite glamorous as well. It was a good experience to see how PR works, but I really missed writing and I missed the creative process. And so, um, but those are some pretty, <laughs> I mean, pretty amazing people, but also not exactly kind of low-key, no, no fuss people. No, it's quite a lot of crisis management <laughs> because they're all doing major things at, uh, you know, and Sharon was on X Factor at the time. Kelly was in Chicago. Jack was doing a TV series. Ozzy was on tour. Um, I also go through Kelly's book for her at the same time. So it was a bit <laughs> bonkers. It was a bit bonkers. But it was brilliant experience. And they were fascinating people who actually were very generous with their time with me and lovely to work with. But you do see it from both sides. And now I do have a real understanding of what it must be like for a publicist who's, you know, coming to us with a one of their clients who they want on the magazine because it isn't just as simple as getting an email going, do you want to put this person on the cover or do you want to put this person in the magazine? You know, there's a massive process of making sure that their client is happy but at the same time delivering the right content for the publication, organising the shoots. So it was, looking back now, I wouldn't say I particularly loved being a publicist but it was invaluable experience which I really do still think about a lot today which is it's quite long it's about 10 years ago now so yeah and then from there I went to Grazia magazine um 10 years ago and I was assistant editor overseeing news and then I became deputy editor and for a little while I also edited which brings me to Stella who I am (laughs) here you are here I am yeah and um so the role of an editor Starting with something, say, like the cover, yes. which the first thing someone sees, how would you begin deciding who you want on the cover? So, obviously, we were always in the back of our mind, what does the Stella woman want? What does the Stella woman want to read about? 
And there are lots of things that influence us. We're a magazine that looks at fashion. We look at beauty. We look at, you know, big talking points. And we also look at celebrity. And so we have a flat plan at the moment on my computer. I have a flat plan that goes right through to February. And there are cover slots that are already filled. And some of them them are influenced by the time of the year. So September is a big fashion season, so we will always have a fashion cover. Then there are entertainment events coming up. So obviously Strictly's coming on TV. We'll have a Strictly cover. There'll be an entertainment issue at Christmas, so we'll be thinking about the entertainment cover. So it's a mixture, really. It's a mixture of what's happening in the news and what we think are big talking points. And then When you look at a magazine cover, I don't think, until I worked in magazines, I didn't realise how much thought went into those headlines that you see on the cover. Because you kind of just think someone's just pulled out, okay, here's like six great stories and we'll just tell people what they are. Yeah. No, an awful lot of, I mean, a lot of thought goes into the cover. It's probably the biggest part of my job is thinking about the cover. Um, Because one, you want it to look great. And also you want to get the right message across. And I'm very conscious of the fact that you don't want to talk in cliches on the cover. You want to talk in a real language that people will be able to relate to. So cover lines, I will maybe write for one issue. I did the cover lines yesterday. I think I wrote 10 lines for one story and went back, looked at it again, went back, looked at it again and narrowed it down to one. And that was just for one story. Then I go and look at another story I want to put on and write the same number of lines and cut back. Um, And also it's about the mix. So you don't want a cover that is just about beauty or just about fashion, unless obviously it's a big fashion issue. So, you know, you've got your cover star and then you might have a fashion line, a beauty line, um, a talking point. So you have to really think about the mix and how they all complement each other. And I do think actually being an editor, a big part of the job is looking at the magazine on the whole and making sure that the mix is good and that you don't have too much of the same thing. Yeah. And in your kind of day to day then, yes. for example, so what I, did you do yesterday? So it is a mixture of meetings with the team and meetings with PRs and... Yeah, reading copies. So I guess what I'll do is on an average day, I'll come in, I'll have read all the papers before I get in, because I just think it's so important that, you know, everything that's going on. I usually have a couple of meetings, usually with the team. So perhaps with the deputies, and we'll be talking through um, features that have come in overnight. We'll edit copy. So I see, read all the copy that comes in, and that's edited and then sent to the subs to put on the page. We'll be looking I'll be sitting with the art director and deciding the cover. So what best image will maybe yesterday, for example, for the cover, we had five possible images for the cover and we got it down to one. So it's just a mixture really of looking after the team, working on the actual issue and meeting external people. Yeah. Is it as glamorous as people imagine? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, no, do you know what? That sounds really ungrateful. I think the day-to-day job is actually not so glamorous, but I think we um, are privy to glamorous moments that we should really celebrate and not take for granted. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I do think that obviously there are some people who are going, well, of course your job's glamorous, you're do putting a magazine together you're looking at wonderful clothes you're writing about fantastic celebrities and I guess that is glamorous but when you're in the moment and doing it 
you're just thinking, gosh, I want to make sure that fact's right. I want to make sure that headline's correct. I want to make sure that that picture looks brilliant. I want to make sure that the reader's going to enjoy it. You're thinking about those things predominantly. But then, you know, maybe you're getting to go to a wonderful premiere in the evening or you're going to go sit at a great show or, you know, you're going to get to go, I don't know, to a, I think my second day in the job I was judging the Stella Smart Beauty Awards and, you know, sitting with Mary Greenwell and Ruby Hammer and judging these latest beauty products. That's a total gift of a job and I feel like I'm very lucky to do that. So there are elements of the job that are glamorous, yes. And in terms of that, magazine and paper culture because obviously Stella is unusual in that it's a supplement so you know you're a magazine but you sit within a paper we're in the paper office you're surrounded by the newspaper is it less kind of glamorous and loud and I think it, it, I think it diff- if you're sort of a self-contained magazine in a magazine office they feel slightly different because because You've just got one deadline to worry about, your magazine deadline. Whereas I think in a newspaper, there are there's lots of deadlines going on and there are people working under lots of different circumstances, doing lots of different jobs. I think at Stella, we are sort of tucked away a little bit, even though this office is huge. We're, we're, we're tucked away a little bit. Because um, I, I remember roller skating up and down the Grazia office. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how glamorous it is. I remember a mouse running over the keyboard of somebody (laughs) in one of my offices as well, which didn't feel very glamorous. I think... Oh, gosh, I think newspapers feel a little bit more serious. But... There are so many different characters that it sort of brings its own fun as well. Um... But yeah, they are different. Of course, the Stella office is going to be slight. The Stella section is going to be slightly different to say the Grazia or the Vogue or Cosmo because they're just maybe self-contained. And I think we have to be just mindful of the fact in a newspaper that there are bigger stories going on <laughs> as well as our little magazines too. What have been some of your kind of proudest achievements? Um, gosh, there have been so many. I think just literally getting started and and being able to actually be a journalist. Um, you know, when I was at school and when I spoke to the careers teacher and said I wanted to be a journalist, she said, well, yeah, but you'll have to have a plan B. And I thought that was just really bizarre because I just was, that's all I wanted to be. But maybe looking back now, there were not so many opportunities. So just actually being able to be a journalist, I think, has been a real high point for me. And there have been so many. Your first byline on the front page, on the splash of a newspaper, is always a fantastic moment. We changed the law at Grazia. We changed the pay gap law. Um, We went to Parliament. And that was a a huge thing to be a part of. I was one of a team. And that was just wonderful. Um, And becoming an editor and being able to look after Stella um, is a real high point too. Has the money ever been a problem? Because I think that's something people thinking about getting into journalism often ask me. Oh, yeah. Well, will you, will you when earn you, a lot of money? Yeah, when you were starting out, did you ever... I mean, my first salary was £6,000. Um, and and I remember them saying it's £6,000 and you also have to get a car too. Um, and um, As in you'd have to pay for the car? Pay for the car, yeah, because obviously it was a local po- reporter and I was driving around everywhere. But I'm really conscious of the fact that 
people don't in some jobs earn that very much, don't earn very much money and then don't get the experiences we get. It's not the highest paying job. We're not in banking, you know, we're not in banking, but we have a lot of wonderful perks as well. Um, yeah. And what are the worst bits of the job? You know, things do go wrong. You know, I remember on one magazine, we had a cover and the person on the cover had three arms because there'd been a little bit of an, a Mac situation where an extra arm had been backed <laughs> on, which sounds hilarious now. It isn't funny, but the magazine came out and we thought, oh my God, she's got three arms. There are, <laughs> there are moments when, you know, you, you, it is very stressful and... You want to be the first to get the first interview with somebody. You want to be the first to get the best story. You want that. That never goes away. It's what a lot of us do it for is because we want to get that big hit. We want to get the big interviews. And when you don't get it, it is disappointing. And that's an aspect, that, you know, you're constantly, I think it's one of those jobs where you can never just sit back and think, oh, this will, this will all work itself out. You have got to just have that same passion as you had when you first started. Like, I, I remember, you know, being on a local paper and just wanting to be the first person to get an interview with somebody, you know, Imran Khan, because Imran Khan was visiting York and opening a restaurant. And I just wanted to get the interview with him because it was a celebrity coming to York and sounds tough, but I just wanted to be the first to get it. And I think that passion never really goes away. You always want to be the first person to get something. Yeah. Have you found it difficult to have a work-life balance? Does that get easier? Have you had to make sacrifices? I have to be really honest. I think the younger journalists now have a way better at saying, you know what, I'm going to go home now. Um, and obviously they're not walking out of their desk and not doing their jobs, but they have a, a, a better grasp of a work-life balance. I think when I started out... There was a culture where everybody just worked and worked and worked and worked and no one actually said, look, maybe you should go home now. It was just the nature of the publication. And I think journalists now, the younger journalists, are better at doing that. However, I do think that, you know, you have to have a work-life balance. There is absolutely no point in having somebody on the team sitting at their desk for hours and hours and hours. They're just, you're not going to get the best out of them anyway. And I think people are so much more conscious of mental health, their own mental health, that there has to be that balance. What piece of advice would you give to someone wanting your job? Some people might come into the job just because they want to write. And I think there are lots of platforms and lots of places that you can do that. I think it's a very different culture now because you can set up your own blog. You've got a voice almost instantly. But I do think that if you do want to work for a publication in particular, you should really learn that publication inside out. You should read every aspect of it, even if it's the sections that you're not particularly interested in. You should learn about the reader. I think obviously I mentioned earlier, but at the end of the day, this isn't a vanity project. This is about the reader. It's about the person who's paying to for a publication, and you should they should be at the heart of everything you do. And you should know that reader inside out. You should know that when you put something on the page, that the reader is going to get something out of it. I think there is there's a lot to be said for people writing about themselves. I think that is very important. I think the conversation around mental health wouldn't be 
so big and so successful if people hadn't written about their own experiences. And I think that is very important. And I also think along with that, it's also important that we think about what the reader is going to get out of it when we write about it. It's sort of a partnership, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Caroline, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll be back soon with a new episode, but in the meantime, visit telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion unzipped sub to get a free 30-day subscription to all of the Telegraph's fashion content online and all of our other content too, of course. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Special mention this week goes to Gardi1687, who's been listening on long train journeys across Vietnam. Fabulous. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Charlie Gowans. Thanks for listening. <laughs>